welcome to Mediation Station. This is your host, Greg Fenton. And uh, today is what day? May 24th. Excellent. Very, uh, very... Uh, well, it's... It was a birthday yesterday. Wasn't well, it? it was my birthday yesterday, so it's, it's <laughs> I like, should know what day it is. Well, this is actually Mediation Station, and you're here for your birthday. Isn't that right? No. Well... Uh, it's let's call it an after birthday celebration. Well, not an afterthought, though, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. So that's the elf speaking. Yes, I am the elf, the radio elf. Yes. Thank you very much for that. You'll like our conversation tonight. I'm sure I will because I like our visitor tonight. Well, don't let him hear that because I. Oh, he knows. Yeah, he knows that. He so knows. All right, so we're going to talk tonight. This is Mediation Station, as usual, and uh, this is your host, Greg Fenton. And the usual stuff is that uh, you know we're here once a week on uh, Sunday nights from 8 to 9 p.m., live Eastern Standard Time Zone, in case you do access us from another time zone. And uh, we're talking individuality versus collectivity, so which one will it be? And uh, the guy calling in because he's got more important things to do so i'm just trying to make him feel guilty a little bit i think you should yeah i should all right so i got your support with that oh yeah not that i really need it but it's good to have as a collaboration oh yeah you can always count on me for making people feel guilty yeah oh yeah so who is the person then well it's rod eric yeah southwell southwell let's get his name in there so he he's uh, waiting with uh, banded breath or something like that, <laughs> and I I don't know. I guess it's just as well that that Red Eric is on the phone because you know I I wouldn't be able to give him a hug. So you can't do a virtual thing. Can't can't do it. You mean it's all or nothing? It's all or nothing. I thought you've been doing a lot of video stuff oh, lately. Oh, I do, but it's just not the same. No, you like the in-person. I like the in-person connection. Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot, you know. And I and I um, was finally able to do an on-site uh, trauma intervention on Friday because the province an said, yeah. yeah, the province said we could go and do in-person counseling again so so it was my first uh time back on site after being in isolation and only doing telephone Remote counseling stuff, yeah. yeah so it was good it worked out fine you socially uh spaced yourself yep and masks and it was in a hospital so i knew everybody was on board with uh precautions and i actually felt quite safe yeah well, that's good. At least it's some some semblance of normalcy, and I put quotes about around that word, whatever that transforms to. I also find it's a much higher quality of service when you're in person. I don't think you can ever really beat that. Well, you have no, uh, I have no issues here in terms of that because uh, totally I'm an in-person engagement, interactive person. I just... Uh, People who say this is now the way to go, Mm-mm. I say that's nonsense. Let them go there. I'll f- create my own path to follow along. Or I'll be right there with you. Yeah. If you do want more information, you can contact me either through email at greggf at primus dot ca or cell six four seven two two seven four seven three four. So, Elfie, you were here last week. Yes, I was. We were here for conversation. We presented. Some articles. There was one that particular we didn't get to. Oh. That I'd referenced and we didn't get to. I got it here now. Oh, okay. Good, because I have pandemic brain. I can't remember. Well, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) So, robots and AI threaten to mediate disputes better than lawyers. Oh. We didn't do that one. We do another AI. So, this one. I was going to make a crack about lawyers and lawyer mediators, but I won't. Well, see, see, I don't know. See if you find a way to slip it in here. So it's by a, a, a lady named Kate Bayoli. And it's from last August 13th, 2019. And uh, so I'll read a little bit. 
Robots and artificial intelligence seem worlds away from the sensitive and nuanced area of international mediation. Algorithms and big data, however, are fast entering the often mystery-shrouded world of alternative dispute resolution. This is much the result of the rapidly increasing demand for the kind of data analytics being harnessed in U.S. litigation to predict trial outcomes. The incursion of robots into mediation hit a new milestone in February, so it was 2019, when Canadian electronic negotiation specialist ICANN Systems reputedly became the first company to resolve a dispute in a public court in England and Wales using a, quote, robot mediator. I don't need to get into that. So it builds on the basic negotiation concepts that have existed for a while. How do you find the area of settlement for both parties? You're really just trying to find the sweet spot, and this was touted as a way to help parties settle in mediation. A skilled mediator can read the people in the room and can understand what they're worried about and shape the settlement. So it's about more than just people paying out money. There are often things thrown in that help bridge the gap. Tools like this detect and sort unique phrases in large data sets, enabling partners like this person recently to uh, examine a pool of 2.7 million documents in just two hours. I'm lucky if it's 2.7 in an hour, not the million. That's not part of the article. That's yeah. just my, yeah, just qualifying that. However, lawyers say the real value in mediation and arbitration might in the future come from large-scale data analysis of arbitrators and mediators themselves in an effort to predict outcomes and potentially affect the course of settlements. Uh, so, this person says also that could be extended to predicting which way arbitrators or a mediator might go. We talk about that. An ethical dilemma of this is the influence it would have on the choice people make of the arbitrator or mediator of the proceedings in which they are involved. Such technology may yet be some way off. In mediation, a skilled facilitator helps the parties to explore where common ground can be found on, as the basis for an amicable settlement. And so the mediation process is inherently a human one. Uh, what's your immediate... Uh, I have two immediate thoughts. The first immediate thought is that like any kind of artificial intelligence like computers or anything like that, it's only as good as what's programmed into it. So garbage in, garbage out um, kind of uh, mindset with that. So how do you decide what you program into the mediation programming? I mean, and, and you, you need to use kind of different models or different um, ways of dealing with things in different situations. So I don't know how that would be sorted out. The second thing that it makes me think of is like self-driven cars, that form of AI, where people have a natural kind of reluctance to let a car drive itself <laughs> kind of thing. Well, isn't it true, though, that that's sort of a But there's a more fallacy. human isn't error. There, isn't there yeah. a human in the, in the car, too? They're not just driving it, though. Aren't they in the car? They don't have to be. No? Okay. They don't have to be, I don't think. They're not driving the car. They're just, they're on the other side of the passenger yeah. side in case something yeah. unexpected happens that's not been pre-programmed. Pr well, that's part of what you're... Exactly, or one is. of the cameras is obscured or, or whatever. But it's the same if, you know, the, a human driver is looking down or distracted or whatever. Well, like it's like, like mediation. It's filled with unexpecteds. Well, yeah. And so I guess I'll give a, a, a real Gemini answer to this, which is <laughs> there are likely to be pluses and minuses. And there are likely to be um, situations where it's useful to have... Um, something generated that doesn't have an inherent bias, although I don't know how you escape bias when, you know, it's humans programming it. Um, 
And there's always, you know, there are always appropriate situations to use everything that's, that's useful. Um, it's just a matter of not either throwing the baby out with the bathwater and just saying, oh, let AI take over everything, um, or um, being afraid of, of um, something that might take the bias out of it, something that could be useful if there's in a situation where it you really need for it to be a very emotionless uh, situation. I don't know. I think it's important to um, assess things on their merits and in, for their particular uses. Well, uh, the biggest issue for me is that this is about pre-programming uh, data that's already been gathered from different sources into the system construct that then programs the artificial intelligence to read so that when it's in quote, the midst of some kind of activity, it's able to tap into through keywords or suggestions or terminology to the database to pull out. So it's, from my understanding, a reactionary thing, not a response. Right. So it has no capacity to read for the future, the unexpected, the unexplained, and process that. It has to go with something that's already put into its system. I know, sounds shady to me. Well, <laughs> I think human beings are not widgets. We've been trying to treat human beings like widgets um, forever. You know, we've been trying to, like when we apply something like the lean program, the Kaizen method to that, you know, originated with, with car manufacturing, and we try to, appro to um, apply it to human systems, it was a big waste of money. <laughs> quite frankly, because people aren't widgets. I don't know why those with the power don't well, get you, that. You talked last week a little bit, too, about that other article with AI and speaking to your uh, your box, uh, you know, that with a... <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the Google thing or the... I forget what it's called. Uh... I, I don't have one, so I don't know the. <laughs> you know, do the commands, play me some music. Oh, Alexa. Alexa, okay. Yes, an Alexa thymic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so it, it doesn't react. It doesn't get, uh, feel emotion, right? Right. It, it can't pr express emotion, and it can only give you answers that have been programmed into it. Yes, that's what I was saying. So no, I, <laughs> but okay, I'm not going to argue with you. Okay. Well, I, I, did say that it's already going based on only data that's been right. programmed into it, or it has access to then pull out and determine through the keywords and right. catchphrases right. to then say, oh, I hear that, so it's got to be something connected to that, and that's the answer. And it often hears it wrong. Well, we, I had a program here, the show, the end of January with a gentleman, and we talked about AI and replacing human mediators, which... The bottom line was there's no way because yeah. I'm such a proponent of the soft skill of self-awareness, empathy, emotional intelligence, compassion. And that is something that I understand that AI cannot replicate in any way. And we're going to have a engage in a conversation with uh, Rod Eric. Rod Eric, you've been uh, listening to our banter? I have been listening to your banter. How are you, sir? I'm okay. Thank you for our impending conversation and uh, your contributions to be had. How are you, how you feeling overall? Overall, I'm feeling good. Um, haven't, haven't had any COVID signs lately, so that, that's pretty good. Lately? Yeah, it's, I had a little sniffles in the weekend. I thought that, hmm, this could be something or nothing, and looks like it's nothing, so... Well, that's how good. Are you, how are you feeling? Actually, happy belated birthday to you. Thank you. you. Thank you You're so welcome. much. You're welcome. Uh, was it a good birthday? It was a fantastic birthday. Awesome. It was so good. I we uh, I was with someone special who we... No social just, distancing? Well, let's Come just on. say hey. the special person is within my 
social distancing circle. Yes, your, yes. Your inner you're circle. allowed a certain circle yeah. or network of, of yes. individuals. Let's not get into the semantics here, Greg. Come on. Yeah. Hey. So we got some <laughs> takeouts. I, I, I want to see how she'd respond to that. Or yeah. <laughs> we we it was all kosher. Um, <laughs> the takeout wasn't kosher, but there was bacon involved. Um, and we went to a very de- quite deserted uh, park area and near the bluffs, and it was just so nice to just it's romantic. It was romantic. Uh, yeah. This is an early evening oh. show. Uh, <laughs> we have to maintain a certain level of decorum here. No, it was lovely. It was there were dandelions everywhere, and it was just where the cliffs are with the bluffs and just by the lake and there was hardly a soul around and it just felt it felt like the the sky wasn't falling which i haven't really felt for a couple of months so as long as you weren't walking in the dark close to the bluffs it might have been something falling (laughs) that could have happened unfortunately yeah so rod eric yes sir greg what have you been up to these last months of your life other than Dealing with washing my hands. Um, yeah, in the last few months, um, like most people, dealing with this this, this pandemic, uh, trying to stay indoors, worrying and trying not to worry, and trying to be productive. It actually reminds me of um, being in a hurricane. If you've ever been in a hurricane or a tornado of sorts, um, you're sitting inside and you're waiting, and you're trying to take your mind off of it, so you're doing things to distract you. And then after a while, you forget that it happened. And I think, you know, after, you know, when it's all said and done, you look back and you're like, oh, that was a nice time. I got to spend time with family and kind of learn things about each other. So I think we're going to look back on this time and, and really kind of... Let, let's be, be honest. Are you not spending too much time with family now? Isn't it gone from one extreme to the opposite? No, well, I'm, I'm, I'm still working, so... Yeah, and work is just is just stretching out. It's no longer a nine to five. It is it is almost on call twenty four seven now. So I actually look forward to the time when my laptop is closed. I'm just talking to my wife, and we're just kind of recapping our day. Yeah, yeah. It's it's different when you're working than when you're not working. I think this time yeah. has reminded me of times when I've been unemployed. And I've wanted to enjoy my time between jobs, but the anxiety, anxiety and the fear and the depression, it yeah. just makes that impossible. And you feel almost cheated. You feel like you should be able to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it's very, very hard to when you're, when you're full of anxiety. So t- uh, help us understand, too, a little bit about you. What's your professional inclination now and background and work efforts? What's that involved? Well, yeah, so, so when we when we met, it was four years ago or so. I just started in mediation, did a, a certificate. So you're my coach, actually, for the certificate program. And I was just starting my practice. I kind of put that all on hold to, uh, to a degree. I just finished up a business degree last year. Which was which was a lot of fun doing that in full time work. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> these days I'm working uh, at a college in the GTA mm-hmm. um, and looking to start back into mediation. I'm very interested in community and also workplace mediation and disputes. Yeah, and that's what I recall from you that your deeper passion is uh, about working with people to try to help support them to transition from where they're at to hopefully a better place. And, you know, mediation was one of the those core processes that uh, I think you so connected with and really connect with and yeah. would be ideal for. Thank you. I think it's one of those things that I'll probably be doing forever. I think, <laughs> I mean, I think a happy death would be me just leaving a mediation you know, and, and, and doing that. It's really one of those times when around people like you and Elsie and I really feel like these are my people, you know? They well, understand. Yeah, you're, the world you're part of the posse, man. Whatever yeah. that means. And I it seems like it, it's it's part of who you are. It's not just a job that you do. It's It's a matter of who you are and following your path in your life. And I would challenge that back. 
for me. Don't follow a path. Create your own path. Okay. So don't follow your path is what you're saying. No, don't follow mine. Be aware of mine. And then from your own sense, and that's where my next question comes in, how do you identify? Identify what you want, and that's the path you work to create to happen for your journey. Mm -hmm. Using, of course, those people who are influences in your life. That's kind of what I meant. I just reframed it. (laughs) (laughs) So how, how about you explain also... What do you identify as the sources for your life influences? Oof. Well, I, you know, I, I spent my formative years in a small, on a small island in Antigua um, before I moved to Canada. So I think my initial sources of um, who I am and then how I think were things that were happening around that time. It's, you know, it's, small communities tend to be very more collectivist, as, as we're talking about today. And learning to navigate between that and also the individualistic culture and society that we have, um, more so in Canada, I feel. So what are the things that you are most challenged by or from? Hmm. The things that I am most challenged with, Yeah. I think, is, uh, is understanding when and how much, what degree of what to pull on. So, for instance... I'm in a situation at work where I'm really trying to bring my team together. Am I, am I thinking of a team goal? How much do I apply my collectivist hats? And then how much do I say, you know what, I'm going to go out here and just do it myself? <laughs> so which one of those two things to navigate between um, working well within a team setting and also trying to prove yourself, prove, it, prove other people, prove to other people that you are um, and you can do things on your own. Though as a leader, so you, you mentioned as a, a team, so you're part of a team, You're, are you the lead of the team? I am currently the lead of a team, yes. So you you know, I, I think that it's great as the, the lead, you could do probably almost everything. Yeah. Yet as a team lead or as a leader, one of the skill sets is to know that you have other people as part of that process. Mm-hmm. And so it's to provide them that space and place for them to be able to do their stuff. And that's the re- uh, a skill set I think a good leader has. Yeah. I remember when um, a couple of months ago I listened to um, the late Kobe Bryant who was talking about when he played with Sha- Shaquille O'Neal with this basketball, if anyone who doesn't know who <laughs> yep. you guys are. And Kobe was on this hot streak where he was just scoring like 30 plus points a game. And then um, his coach realized that, you know what, hey, Shaquille O'Neal, he's getting a bit disinterested in the game. And it's good that you're scoring all these points and winning these games for us, but we need to kind of reel him back in because come playoffs, we need him, right? So it's realizing that, you know, you yes, you have the ability as a leader to, to win the game, the metaphorical game that you play, but then also... You know, sometimes things are very challenging that you're going to need other people to work with you as well. It's not just about you scoring. You know, we all have to, to, to win as well. So, Well, also with the unexpected, you never know when, hypothetically, Kobe might have gotten injured or gotten, True. you know, ill in some yeah. way. So then what the one person that the team totally relied on, even though there's other gifted people on the team, Indeed. Because they were not, quote, actively involved, it's not only physically, it's even more for me, the emotional, the mental connection with doing your stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree. Sounds like a good leader, leader Greg. Uh, how's, how's your team going? Doing? Well, it's Elfie and myself here. That's our team. I just do what I'm told. You have a good team. What? <laughs> what, what a... Put me on the spot. <laughs> you know, she's not really like that. She's a, le- she's a leader, too. In, in, Indeed, yeah, actually, in, she is. Yeah, and, you know, she's got an impending transition to put it out there for uh, a major organization within yeah. Ontario that's part of a broader dynamic in Canada that yeah. she's going to become the, what's the role? It's the president of the board of the ADR Institute of Ontario. Yeah. What? Yeah, come the AGM. 
Congrats. June 4th. That's awesome. I'm going to become president, which just, it just blows my mind. And it's, it actually fits into our conversation because mm-hmm. I'm of the mind that, um, really to be a leader or to be of any use whatsoever, basically, you, you have to recognize the strengths of everyone around you and shine a light on everybody's contributions. And that's just the attitude I have in whatever I do. So um, this was a total unexpected. I never expected to even be on the board. I never expected certainly to become president. Um, it's just, it's almost like it was happening and somebody threw me on board the boat. I would say the biggest barrier for many of us are the limitations we put a place on ourselves. And those yeah. become the things we suffer from that don't provide us the space and place for us to create our own path and follow it once we've opened it up for ourselves. And so keep that challenge because you never know what the next one will be that you didn't expect. In a way, it, w- it really helped me be- too, though, because I didn't want it so bad that I would do anything to, to get it. Uh-huh. It wasn't the role that I was after. I was just following my own created path in the way that I treat people and the way that I show up in the world. And people seem to want that for that organization. An opportunity presented itself. Yeah. And you felt at whatever that moment was the right moment to enter that door. Well, it was actually my daughter who said, Mommy, when are you going to wake up and realize that you're a leader? The universe just keeps whacking you in the head with it. <laughs> Rod Eric, what, when you hear the word, and I say individuality, what comes to mind for you? Uh, when I hear individuality, I think about um, being distinct and distinguishing yourself from other other people around you. I think about America. <laughs> but, you know, I think, to be fair, it's, these are things that we're usually re- rewarded for um, in our upbringing, um, whether it be in society, when you play sports, you get trophies, and yep. you know, or from our parents, when you have certain accomplishments, they might encourage you more. So I think these are things that just they're part of sometimes the natural the national culture of our society, and we just adapt them in different ways um, in our own households and within our, within our own personalities as well. I don't think they're inherently good or bad. That it's inherently good or bad to be individualistic mm-hmm. or to be collectivistic. It's just a matter of what the context is, what your goal is, what you know, what your culture is, and they can both be used for good and for evil. So then let's open up what is collectivity when you hear that word, Rod Eric. Yeah, collectivity, it's more of being a part of a group. You know, you're you're considering um, group success over individual success. You are considering the feelings of the group and how everyone um, would think about interactions. Uh, It sounds like you're a bit of a a collectivist leader, Joni, would you? I I think I mostly am, but at the same time, like you can actually do both at the Mm. same time. You You can have the collective goals at heart and wanting to um meet the interests of the group and at the same time encourage and and cheerlead and help develop and mentor people's individual strengths and and talents well aren't teams comprised of a different number depending on the team of individuals Who? yes yeah right. so isn't that where we're the, our starting point is we're all individuals. We create for ourselves whatever it is. We get work experience, education, training. Uh, then when we want to join a workforce, if it's that kind of setting, it's a 
It's a team setting. We're hired because we have certain skill sets that would contribute as an individual to a group setting and dynamic. But there are jobs where it's, um, where what is required is not to be an individual. Like if you're on the line of a factory or you're, um, or you're well, a social worker it, in a hospital. It, it, it all depends <laughs> how you're processing the word individual relative to the, what identifies the concept of individuality. So yeah, there's a distinction. So, go, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I think as even in a work environment, you can actually program both. You can actually reward both um, individuality, for instance, if you want to reward someone um, with giving them commission for a sort of X amount of sales, right? You're rewarding that individual person um, to achieve greater than the peers around them. But you can also do it on a, in a team basis. You can reward an entire location. If you work at Best Buy, for instance, you can say, hey, um, if your store does X amount of sales, then everyone gets rewarded with whatever it is, like, I don't know, 50, like a coupon for, for electronics or something. Like, there's different ways to do that, and sometimes you can do both. I think we just have to be aware of when we're doing it and figuring out what the type of results that we want are. Well, don't, within a team setting, does everybody have the same responsibilities? Do they not have a different uh, area of focus as an individual then that extends into the collaborative, the team setting? So each is a component of the bigger well, I was thinking of it in terms of even a, a deeper level, where the example you gave, Rod Eric, about um, sales as an individual or sales as a team being rewarded, that it's still sales that is the activity that is expected of everyone, j just to have more sales. Whereas I was thinking you can reward an individual by coming up with um, a new way of doing things that um, creates 50% more efficiency in, mm -hmm. in the workplace. Whereas that isn't always, that is very seldom rewarded in kind of, in the kind of workplace where, where what is desired is for everyone to kind of follow a certain party line. Does everybody value the same thing the same way? No. When we intersect with our moments of life, do we process them the same? Do we react the same? Do we respond the same? Do we not process those as individuals? Yeah, we also have we all have different ways of looking at situations and we you know, we want different things out of situations. Um an employee, a manager may have, for them, their goal is, is harmony. Within, within all the employees and leaders may look at harmony as one of the goals, but if you're a person who you clock in, clock out, you're not really worried about the, the, the harmony of the team as much as as a manager is. It's less of an incentive for you to worry about that. Well, if, um, you, if you send this into the mediation process world that as a relational mindset practitioner person it's about you know starting with self not staying with self it's about then looking to transcend from self to another to build to create connections relationships so when i would do a process or try to work with somebody i'm trying to help them connect yes with oneself and then also in relation to another person who may not be present if it's a one-on-one -on -one more coaching session, if it's a joint session where there's parties involved, you're really trying to create a space and place for people to what's called self-identify through mm -hmm. self-awareness to self-empower and then self-determine. I, you know, we assess situations of power control. When you throw out a question to both people in the room, what do you want? And someone says, well, whatever they want. That would be a concern for me because I want the individual to present their own point of view of what they want. That's more empowering for the individual for one to share 
so that the other person learns of and about and doesn't succumb or give in to the other person and through a controlling type of nature of relationship. So I want to start with the self and then open that up so that another person can actually appreciate. So self-determination for me is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think even when it comes to building um, self-awareness or empathy within other people, first you typically start by being more self-aware of yourself and what the thing is that's why you are the way you are, think the way you think. And then usually after that, you start to think about other people. Well, if I'm thinking this way about this, what is someone else thinking, you know? Well, you won't know unless you open up that space, create the conditions for that to happen. Otherwise, you're working in a relationship that's dysfunctional. It's two solitudes, and they're not connecting, they're not relating. Indeed. I think the natural state of things is... um to be individualistic. So when we're babies and children, we're very self-centered, we're very aware of what we think and feel and experience. And it's only as we get older and get more socialized that we start to allow other people into our bubble and think about them and develop some empathy and all of that. And then we, I think a very strange thing happens in our society where in some cases, we're, we're pushed to be the best and in, really shine and be individualistic and really uh, extraordinary. And at the same time, we're pushed to conform, to not be outside the norm, not be a deviant, not be, um, not be too original, not to rock the boat. And, and all of that sort of thing. So how does that work with the person that does want to rise and shine? How can you try to present oneself so that it's not going to be cast, you know, shadowed and marginalized so that it can be celebrated? I think you need to choose your context, certainly in the workplace. Like someone who wants to shine on their own really shouldn't go into the military, you know, <laughs> unless you're a sniper, unless you're a sniper or you're, you're going to be a general, but even to get there, mm -hmm. you have to conform. You're not, you, you have to follow orders. You, you can't step a toe out of line. Um, or, you know, if, you know, don't be Borg, <laughs> you know, sorry, that was star, star Trek, yep. but, um, it, got it. It's a conundrum. It really is a conundrum. It's kind of like it's trying to suck and blow at the same time, where we're being really pushed in two directions at the same time. Well, life is always that way, though. Is it? I believe so. Not that I, you know, go along that pathway of, you know, uh, instituting for my own way. I'm going to do whatever I feel, regardless of what other people want or feel. So I got to be true to myself. Yeah. So people gravitate. So people who feel more like they just want to blend in and be part of something and belong, or, yeah. they will gravitate to those kind of things. Like if in, in show business, there'll be improv actors and they'll do sketch work. I and really celebrate work. improv. That's another, yes. that's another conversation. But it's somewhere where, you know, you don't shine. The whole thing shines. And what what, do you, what thoughts are going through your mind right now, Rod, Eric, as you hear the two you of know, us it, here? It reminds me of um, uh, this article I read the other day that said uh, that the states, which uh, close to Canada, we're, we are basketball, and many other parts of the world are soccer. And what they mean is when you play basketball, you really – are as good as your best player. Like if you have one superstar in the team, the rest of the if you have a LeBron James on your team and the rest of the team is not that good, you can still win a lot of games. However, many other places in the world they're more like soccer. You're only as strong as as, as your work your worst player on the team. Your individual components. Yes, yes. So even if you have an all star soccer player, doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to be 
you know, one of the best teams in the world or you're going to make the playoffs. It really is how, how good is your worst player on that team. And if your right? LeBron James gets injured or traded, then yeah, what? But in, in the context of the sport, what, what, it's, it's more about the context of the sport. Like which, what, what is, which sport is like which place? So, for instance, when we look at things from a nationalistic, nationalistic perspective, we tend to be in the Western world. The philosophy is more on the individual. Yeah. But outside of that, in many other parts of the world, the philosophy is really much on the common good of, of, of you know, everyone. You're thinking about when you're making decisions, you're thinking about, okay, how is this going to affect my grandmother or my aunt? And we also have to think about multi-generational households as well. So things are impacted a bit differently. You can even look at it from gender differences where, where sorry, Greg, but men tend to be more individualistic in how they think. Hey, right? go for it, go for it. <laughs> and also in religions, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly, um, Islam tends to be a much more collectivistic um, religion than than something else, anything else, right? Mm -hmm. So you'll have Let's people. Think about the context of where in the world that religion was formed. Yeah, and, and a sense of sacrifice for for God or for their people or for their belief system that there's a real self-sacrificing um, kind of um, feeling to it. I don't know. Where is this going? Depends on where you want it to go. No. As an individual, for me, it's wherever it goes. I'm not controlling this. It's a collective conversation. So, my my point is, that I think as a collective, as a team, we're, we're comprised of individuals and working in a collaborative way. So that's the skill amongst teams of individuals to get them to work together as a team is collaboration. I fully support both notions, both concepts. And I do, I'm all about collaboration, knowing that teams are comprised of individuals. And you got to tap into the individual and in their own unique way, because not everybody resonates with the same information and processes things the same way. True. What do you think, Red Eric? Yeah, I think that um, for sure teams are, are quite important. Um, and I think that, that I identify more with the collectivist culture, of course, because of some things in my upbringing. Um, but also, I know that there are there are limitations towards each. You know, for instance, they there was a research I looked at when they talked about organizations with collectivist cultures, especially startups. Um, they tended to outperform uh, their peers, and they tended to be one of the first ones to IPO, which has become public and very successful, etc. However. After they have, when you look at those same companies after they have reached there, they also start to change. So they become, become successful and then get to a point where when you, you need to pivot or do something different, the culture actually holds the company back from performing at a higher um, pace than their other than their counterparts. So I think we have to identify the limitations that come with our perspective on the world and look at when is the time to pivot and change and become something different. And I think um, this actually parallels a lot with what we're seeing in the world today. What do you guys think? I'm wondering if it's um, comparable to like a, a living organism where it has its own kind of course of growth kind of mapped out in its DNA and there and it will go along doing a certain thing and then it will be time to pivot and yeah. do something else and that the important thing is figuring out if you're going to compare it to society figuring out when is the right time to pivot and how to pivot 
to I, keep it going. You know, I really promote the skill, fundamental skill of adaptability, being able to connect with your moments and then provide whatever is appropriate from your perspective of measuring, following, assessing, to apply and incorporate, to do. So flexibility yeah. also, fluidity, being able to transition in a seamless manner that it's, wow, that happened? I didn't even realize that. So it doesn't always have to be so rigid, the constructs mm -hmm. of individuality and collectivity. These are fluid concepts that move along in the moment in whatever is needed for those people at that time for their particular circumstances. So I challenge back the traditional notions of individuality and collectivity, that these can work in tandem all the time. I really agree with what you just said. I'm actually quite shocked. I would what? like to sound as poetic as you every time I speak, Greg. <laughs> just, just putting it out there. What, what do you want? Yeah. Are you, trying to, are you going to try and slide something by me? Because that was part of your intention tonight, too. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm remembering that. No. Trying to use the active listening seal sets there. Greg is, is the master of active listening. You cannot slide anything by Greg. No. No, we can't because Greg is always on the alert for the unexpected. <laughs> that's a that's a fundamental skill. It connects with all the concepts that I try to promote here, and also getting that video out finally of improvisational mediation. Mm -hmm. It's being in the moment, being aware, being able to identify, being able then to make decisions through self empowerment, self determination. And when someone throws you a curveball or tries to slide something by you or mm -hmm. throw you off balance by going on the attack to the mediator and you, or and whatever. You, and you don't react, you respond. You take exactly. a more informed mm -hmm. action step. So adaptability is the overriding skill set. As I, as I said, I completely agree. Do you think that's one of the most important traits of a mediator, to be adaptable? Yep. For me, that's always something I say, like at the school where you were a student and I was not a student and we had these conversations in the room, it's adaptability. That's the foundational skill set because it incorporates all the skills of listening, uh, interpersonal self-awareness. It's all within that best practices, that inventory, so that you're able to then pull out and apply in any given moment and you're not going to get pulled off and caught up with someone else's agenda. And you're also not going to be so rigid that you have to adhere to a specific model and, or it's, you know, specific uh, steps and in order. And that's it's the relational uh, for me. And that's the fluidity and the flexibility. So going with the flow. That's I a like bit it. of what you practice at Jade, right, um, Johnny? Yeah, it is what we practice at Jade. And we were, were you there on Thursday? There were a lot of people. I wasn't. It was work. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I have to say we had our, our um, very first um, role play online on Zoom. Mm -hmm. And it went so well. And it was because everyone was really into it, into the role and going with the unpredictability of it. And actually, I was just thinking of what something that happened during that session when you said um, that, you know, you have to kind of go, not react, but respond. And I was thinking of a moment when um, our friend Helen Lightstone kind of uh, turned on the mediator and, and said, I think you're biased and you're doing blah, blah, blah. And the mediator who was played by Jordan was so, um, he just, he just held his space. He went with the flow. He went with the flow. He said, so if I understand you, you think that there's something mm -hmm. that yeah. I'm, I'm not carrying out the expected role of the mediator and we'll really need to take a look at that. So he presented the, the moment to, not about himself. Mm -hmm. He presented about the person who presented that information to him. 
and he opened that space up, and that's why he was able to work with that moment and go with the flow. And I have to say that with individualism, often comes a lot of ego, and with a lot and with a lot of ego, we we tend to get a lot of problems with being able to adapt and allow other people in and to flow with their ideas. So. Um, I think if you can keep your ego in control, even being an individual is is a good thing. So we're going to have to uh, say, uh, see you soon again. Rod Eric, what do you want to say in parting? In parting? Uh, yeah, just for tonight. <laughs> for tonight. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. I just want to thank you and also Joni. And also happy belated birthday to you, Greg. And just the, my final words on yeah. individuality yeah. versus collectivism, collectivity. We yeah. can we can do both. We can apply both. And I think sometimes it's just a shift of perspective and about what what are the rewards now. So if you were in a if you're a person who gets rewarded or motivated by being praised or acknowledged for your own individual efforts, but you find yourself in a setting where, where um, they're focused on the team then maybe you have to shift your rewards and say, okay, well, you know what? I like to be rewarded now for how the team does, how, do, how I develop people around me, how everyone performs so that, you know, we're, we're better players and a better team. Yeah, we got to be responsive. we got to be connected, attentive. Yep. I, I just want to do a – we're doing a quick shout-out to whom tonight? Your mom, aren't we? Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, Come on. Shout-out to your mommy. Um it, 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 we're apart, so it's kind of tough, but I know she's listening right now. You want to put her first name out? Because i gotta, I got to go quickly. Uh, that's okay. That's, that's All right. Okay. I didn't say the whole name and the address. <laughs> Anyways, thanks very much for sharing with us and contributing to the collective conversation. Appreciate nice to it. hear your voice, Rod Eric. You too, Joni. I can't wait to see you in person when this is all over or at the next jade. We've been Definitely. speaking to Mediation Station.